please stay right where you are because it's time for GeorgiaCarry.org radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no compromise voice for gun owners. Stay tuned for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. And now, your host for GeorgiaCarry.org radio, Doug and Jesse King. Welcome, everybody. You're listening to the Georgia Carry Radio Hour. I'm Doug. I'm here this week with Jesse, and um, it's been a little while since you've been in the studio with us, Jess. Yeah, Jess hasn't been feeling good, but I'm doing a little better now. Well, welcome back. You hate health problems, but sometimes you have to just take a little bit of me time. Uh, it's always good to have you here and, and helping with with the topics and everything that you do on the board. It's it's always a pleasure. So um, this last week, I had the, the fun of going to a bowling pin match. Yeah, and I had the fun of staying home and doing homework while you were at the bowling pin match. <laughs> yeah. Uh, How was your bowling pin match? It, it was good. And I would really encourage everybody to get out to a match whenever you can. I'll I mean, go to the next one with you. It, it'll be interesting. Um, there's, there's ups and downs to a match, obviously. You know, there's a competitive nature and people get a little bit carried away with it at times but by and large you're going to find that people who are at firearms matches are are not really there to compete but they're there to have fun and i think that that makes a a big difference than a lot of the other matches that that are competitions that we participate in uh it reminds me a lot of watching the olympics remember the the runners when when bolt and and the canadian guy were running and they were laughing as, as they came in first and second what Bolt and the Canadian runner. Remember when they ran and they were laughing together as they came in first and second in the race? No. You don't? Not really. No. What are you talking about? Oh, Bolt. The you about the Olympics? Yeah, that's what I just said. Yeah, okay. Yeah, vaguely. Yeah. yeah. yeah I, the sense of camaraderie and, and people who are having fun with it is a lot more prevalent in shooting sports than I think than in other competitions. Now, I'm sure that when you get to a certain level that people have a more competitive nature, but the the goal of the match isn't so much to to win as it is to try to do something that you're not used to doing. Most people end up going to the range and they put up a paper target and they shoot at it and they don't want to, because targets are expensive, they don't want to waste a target. So eventually they've got a target that's completely peppered head to toe with little holes and it's impossible to tell what's what anymore and then they go home. And then you go to the range with Mark Curtis and you take a, a paper target and you put it up and between each set of of shooting each group of shooting you do he covers the holes in stickers so you can see the new new damage mm-hmm. that's a good idea yeah mm-hmm. and you know they they sell the shooting seas but even those get to be expensive so i mean there's there's a lot of time when you go to the range and you end up shooting and you're not really you're not really focused. I mean, you may, you may be focused on on the shot, each shot being important, but overall there isn't there isn't meaning to it. You know, you're just there and you're you're punching holes in paper. But whereas a match, it gives you a little bit more direction, right? I mean, you've got a goal, you've got a time limit, you've got directions that you're not coming up with yourself. So all of this is outside of you and outside of what you're doing, and it helps bring more clarity and 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 purpose to the training. And matches are training in their own way. Now, some matches are, are more realistic training than others. I, I mean, there are matches out there, different competitions, like, you know, 
thousand-yard bullseye competitions that really don't have a lot of practicality in the real world other than increasing your skill level for what you might use it in. Are we doing this with a sniper rifle? You know, the sniper rifle sort of stuff, it it translates to hunting a deer or it translates to a lot of other shooting activities. You know, you learn trigger discipline to to a higher degree. It could translate to a form of home defense if you needed it to be. But really, it's just its its own thing. There are some competitions when you start to talk about um, international defensive pistol shooting. Now you're drawing from a holster, and you're drawing. You're wearing a cover garment to conceal. You got to swipe back before you draw, and all of that sort of things that are practical that come into play. And that's a much more realistic kind of of competition. But even in the realistic competitions, you get people who are gaming the system, who are trying to figure out, you know, the ways that they can, you know, abide by the letter of the, the rule but still have a competitive advantage. You and see now we're to a discussion about the way you you play the bowling pin match. Well not not yet, but I mean there there are people who, who will take a a nineteen eleven and shove an extended ten round magazine into it because it says you can have up to ten rounds and so they use an extended magazine that you would never use for concealed carry because of its bulk. Um, they run a, a nine millimeter that is barely dribbling out of the barrel, so it has no recoil for higher follow-up shot ratio. They use a holster that pushes the butt of the gun far away from their hip, so that they have a faster draw. Which again, you would never wear in a real concealment situation. And they they do this because it matches up with the rules, but it doesn't necessarily match up with the spirit, and that gives them a competitive edge so that they can win. And there there are people who push the limits of what is you know allowed by the rules to win a competition and then there are people who go in uh, and i was looking at the bowling pin match there was a guy there who was shooting a 38 special revolver now was was he competitive with the people who had the high cap magazines probably not no was he having fun that's the whole point so that that's what matters and when I went to the bowling pin match, that was kind of my attitude too. Is you know, I wanted to shoot something fun. I wanted to to have a, a relaxing a- afternoon, evening, and and just enjoy myself. I wasn't really in it to win. I just wanted to, to try and to have something that I could enjoy. And I think that the 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 spirit of the competition brings out a lot of that. And I really would encourage everyone to find a match. And it doesn't have to be bowling pin or IDPA or it doesn't have to really be anything. Just find a match. You find a 22 match near your house at, at some range. And just about every range has figured out that having league night is a fun thing to do. And they get more people to come out for league night than they do for freestyle bowling, right? I, I mean, guess that, that's the, <laughs> I don't it know. works. It works for for bowling alleys and it works for gun ranges. But there was this like long decade where gun ranges hadn't figured out the psychology that people like to do things together <laughs> and people like to be in a team. And you're more likely to keep coming if you're doing it together as a team. So the ranges just had open lanes and people came and shot once in a while. But when they started to have leagues and matches and team events, then people started showing up and you had you know to like keep the range open late because there are so many people trying to shoot and that's good for business so it's kind of nice that the rangers have figured out what team sports have known for the last two millennia that people like to do things in groups so you'll find just about every range that is out there there there's some outdoor ranges that are you know just 
free and open. But um, any range out there has some kind of a league or team or match shooting event at least once a month, if not once a week. And some of them have them more than once a week. A lot of them also have ladies' night where ladies get to shoot for free if you just take your ammo. Mm-hmm. And that's another good way to get more people interested. So I, I really encourage everybody to find yourself a match, something that sounds interesting to you. Now, I the matches that I like best, I prefer cowboy matches, but that is an all-day Megillah. I mean, there's there's really no other way to put it. A cowboy match takes all day, and they usually like to schedule them when it's the hottest out there, like right now, because it's September, and it's like 112 in, in Atlanta. But... Um, cowboy matches are a lot of fun if you can devote that kind of time to it and if you have the guns for it. If you don't... And if you don't mind wearing a wool jacket in 120-degree weather. If you don't have the the weapons or the time to devote to a cowboy match, um, 22 pistol matches are all over Atlanta. Uh, I know up in Pinnells they have a 22 league, and they've got different categories. You've got 22 revolver. You've got typically in most of the shooting sports you're going to see these categories. You've got 22, which is usually off by itself. 22 leagues, of course, are, are entirely 22. But beyond that, you have semi-automatic... Uh, they usually call it limited or iron sights. And the idea behind this category is that you're running basically a stock pistol. This is something that you're able to just go in and pick up off the shelf. It doesn't have any sort of real aftermarket modifications. And, of course, everybody gets a trigger job done. Everybody buys you know, their, their custom grips. As long as it doesn't give you an aid in holding the, the weapon, it's, it's legal. Um, things like fiber optic sights sometimes are allowed, sometimes they're not. Um, red dots, lasers are not. Um, compensators are not. Extended magazines, extended controls, things like that are not. So this is your stock category. Whatever you carry for self-defense is perfect for iron sight or limited shooting in just about every pistol competition that you can enter into. The next category is open. Open or optic is a category where the gun can have massive modifications. Just about anything that you can imagine is legal in open or optic class. And so now you're starting to get into the real race guns. And this is a way to keep the, the, the gaming people separate from the normal casual shooters. Because if you're going to buy a, a gun that has a magwell and a, a, a red dot that's mounted to the slide and has extended controls and a grip that's molded to your hand... That's going to be limited. That's going to be 3000 bucks, and that's going to put you in a different category from all of your regular shooters. So we'll talk about the other classes when we get back right after these messages. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We're talking about different types of shooting matches this week. And so when, when I left, I was talking about different categories of firearms. And, and first, you know, you have your iron sights, which is your stock category. You can run that with anything. Next, you have open or optic. And in those categories, you've got the people who are dropping serious money. These are the people who are running around with the special mag holders, with the, the competition holster that only attaches right at the, the trigger guard. Um, the 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 CZ seventy fives with with the red dot mounted right to the slide or or the Glock. 
truck with the um, rear-mounted red dot in, in where the, the rear sight would go, the kind of high-end modifications that, that are more expensive and designed just for competition. And the idea is is to separate out the, the people who are spending real money or gaming from the people who are just there to enjoy themselves and have a good time. Um, the last category you usually get is revolver, which is kind of weird because you would think, oh, you know, there are revolvers that are competition revolvers. You know, the Smith & Wesson Performance Center makes revolvers that are compensated with red dots on them and everything else under the sun. Grips that are molded to the individual shooter's hand with a palm rest and everything that you can imagine. And then you've got the people who are shooting, you know, Grandpa's service revolver, and it's it's two different worlds in the same category but the truth is is that revolver shooting is becoming a, a lost art it's really becoming a dying art and there are just not that very many people who are running a revolver in a competition anymore so the class is often empty if you want to go to a competition and come in first and almost guarantee being able to come in first, run a revolver, because there probably won't be anybody else there doing it. Sometimes uh, the match I went to, there were two guys running revolvers. Both were rather casual and having a good time. Both had a whole bunch of speed loaders to keep up. And that was my big drawback, is was that I went to a match, I only had one magazine. So it really hampered my ability to run with a lot of the other people who were running mags that held 17, 18, 22 rounds and who are spraying and praying at everything that was in front of their sights. You know, if, if you set up the... And the match can be set up in many different ways. I mean, it could be set up so that every shot you miss is a huge penalty. If you shoot six times at five targets, then you get a 10-second penalty or something monstrous. Um, there are matches that are set up so that it doesn't matter how many times you miss as long as you hit the targets. Uh, and there are matches that let you shoot indefinitely until you hit the targets. And it really depends on the way the match coordinator is running things. Shooting indefinitely until you hit the targets could be a long match for some people. And the way that the match I went to control that was they capped the number of rounds you could have. You could only ever have twice as many rounds as the number of total targets on the stage, but sometimes they threw out 16 targets, so you could have 32 rounds of ammo to blast away at things. Um, another really popular match that you see pop up here in Georgia a lot are Glock matches. Um, they're sponsored by Glock. You can only run a Glock, and they have the same three stages in every single match. They never vary. They never change the the position of the targets or do anything different. So it's kind of a comfortable match where you can get really good at running a very specific set of targets. Um, the nicest thing about Glock matches is they usually give away a free Glock to not only the winner but one random participant. So no matter how bad you are, you might walk away with a prize. Um, the big ones that they have down on the south side of the city usually draw some star power. I remember going to one where our Lee Emery was was in attendance. You know, he was a Glock sponsored celebrity for a while. He was the the um, drill instructor from Full Metal Jacket, and he was in a few other things. He had a TV series on the History Channel called Mail Call for a while, but he showed up. Um, I got a signed picture from him at the time. That it's 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 a good chance to meet people. You know, we talk a lot about going to the GCO functions and meeting up with people in 
the um, local chapter meetings and, and doing things as a group and getting to know people, matches are a good way to get to know people. I mean, when I went to the match in at Big Woods Goods, I, I got to meet some people and we exchanged business cards and, and chatted and it was just, you know, kind of a relaxed atmosphere for the most part. And that's a great way to get to know more people who are into the same sort of activities you are. And so I I really think that this is a good way not only to hone skills, but also to get into the camaraderie of the gun culture. And that's something that we talk about so often on this show is that, you know, the gun culture itself brings forth this, this combined sense of purpose. And it's something that we've lost in this country. It's culture based on common ideals and, and identity rather than on gender, race, or religion, which are more or less fungible. We live in a culture that does not like to connect with human beings on a personal level. They like to do it through devices. And these matches force people to connect on a personal level again, to discuss and talk and hang out and guys smack each other on the shoulder like they used to. Instead of just giving them a thumbs up on Facebook. Or a poke. A poke. Yeah. I poke you all the time with my Facebook. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like jail. Mm, yeah. You write on the wall, talk to strangers, and poke people. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, what kind of sh- shooting sports are for the ladies? Everything. In fact, the, the one of the guys I was talking to... Um, at the bowling pin match said that his wife attends at least every other match. She wasn't there that night. In fact, attendance was very low that night. Normally they said that they only do three strings because there are so many shooters, and they run four tables. The pins are set up on a separate table, and they run four people shooting at one time, and I can only everyone only gets three chances because there were so many people there. When I was there, we did six tables, so... There was less than half the number of people that normally attend. But so there's leagues, right? The one I attended wasn't actually a league. It, it was, was just, just a, bunch a match. Of guys. Yeah. yeah. But there are places that do have leagues where you can sign up and you shoot every Tuesday for three months solid and the, the scores are tallied. I wonder if I could put a group, group of ladies together for a ladies league. I bet that there are lots of ranges that would love that and lots of competitions that would welcome that. So to our female listeners... If you're interested in in doing this with me, send me an email at jesse, J-E-S-S-I, king, 2015, at gmail.com, and, and we'll work it out, because I'm interested in doing that. See, the, the beauty of shooting sports compared to every other sport, and I know the Olympics divides it into men's and women's shooting, but there really is no reason. I mean, there's, there's absolutely nothing that's going to prohibit you from shooting just as well as somebody else in a bowling pin match. I'm you just don't need trying to make some friends that are females, Doug. I know, you, you don't, <laughs> but you don't need a separate match. You don't need a separate game. It's just everybody gets to, to do the same. Just and want some ladies to practice with and then hang out with at some matches. I think that there's no harm in that. No. I think it's more about having like-minded people around you than it is about who's on whose team but it would be fun well there in in the end there's always an individual competition i mean you're, you're always running against your own best score and your own best time um i i think that the at Pinnell's they do a 22 league where they actually have a team that you're on i'm not real sure i haven't ever competed there but i think that that would be a, a good idea i think that we should have 
team sports in shooting sports where you you know have your scores are kind of mellowed out it's hard i mean let's be honest it's hard everybody has rough nights where they're not focused everybody has rough stages where something's bothering them and they don't do as well in fact you can watch that happen in a match you can watch somebody get frustrated and watch their ability go downhill as the more they get frustrated and the more frustrated they get the worse their shooting is which makes them more frustrated and it's just a a vicious cycle going in a downward spiral going on and on and i've watched competitions where that happened you know, it, it takes a lot of more mental discipline than anything else to do well in a competition. And that's, that, see, that's the difference between a competition and just shooting paper at a range. When you're shooting paper at a range, there is no pressure to excel, right? It's, right. it's just what you're doing at that moment, and every shot is independent. But when you're shooting in a competition and you've got the extra pressure of people watching you and a specified goal. I mean, we, we talk about this, you know, a dream becomes a goal when you write it down. A goal becomes a plan when you give it steps for its completion. Well, shooting at, at target practice, just shooting at a piece of paper without having a goal, without having a plan in place... It's just a dream. It's just something that you're doing. <coughs> might be fun. Might fill up some time. and might even improve some of your basic skills. But it doesn't give you the kind of, of focus training that a real match and with real goals and, and a real goal to achieve gives you. And, you know, you, you start to compete with yourself to get your times down and to get your accuracy up. But there's always that external pressure of what's the next guy going to do and how am I in relation to everybody else who's here. So those factors play into the psychology. And the pressure that comes from that is a lot like the pressure you'll feel in, in a situation where you actually have to use your firearm. You know, there there's buck fever that sets in in a match when you first pull out your gun and put the sights on a target and you hear the buzzer go off. You're kind of in that moment and the 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 adrenaline rush and and the tensing up and and the dilation of your eyes all factor in there to change the way that you're shooting and, and getting used to that response and getting comfortable with it it helps goes a long way towards real practice you know the, one of the things that i hold on a second you're saying that fight or flight kind of kicks in a little bit of that there there's that i think it's more it's not necessarily fight or flight it's more like buck fever it's that adrenaline rush of excitement of knowing that this is the moment and that keys you up in a different way then it's not really a fear response as it is adrenaline it's, it's anticipation it's that moment of of you're, you're going to do something and that moment trust me kicks in when you have an unexpected moment in a shooting situation. Folks, we're at a commercial break. We'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. So we're talking about matches today, and I wanted to go over what you're going to have happen when you actually go to a match. I know a lot of people haven't been. Um, a lot of people do, and they, they know this drill better than most. But I, when I went 
it was a little bit different for me, and and so it's kind of nice to have an overview of what they're going to tell you. Um, you're going to end up the first time you go. Sometimes they'll waive it if you've been before, but the first time you go to a new range, they're going to want you to attend a safety briefing where they tell you what the rules of the range are. Um, some ranges allow you to draw from a holster. Some don't. The range I was at said that uh, you walk up to the line, and when you're standing there, you do you just stand there and don't do anything at all. You wait for a range officer to come over. When the range officer is standing next to you, he'll say, shoot or make ready, at which point you would draw the uh, unloaded, no-magazine gun from the holster, insert a loaded magazine, rack the slide, point at a safe target in the distance. Usually it was a red or green bowling pin in the match I was in. And then you would say, ready. And so the idea here is that when you first walk up to the line, you don't do anything until the range officer comes over because the range officer is seeing what's going on around you. If there's anybody who is still setting up a pin, if there's somebody who's downrange, if there's someone who's downrange where you can't see them, if there's an obstacle that needs to be reset or, or something is not quite right, the range officer is keeping an eye on all of this until he lets you know it's time for you to make ready. Once you start to make ready, the range becomes hot, and there should be nobody anywhere near your range of fire. Um, most shooting sports have what they call a 180 plane. Some have a little bit less. It's like a 160 plane. If your muzzle goes more than 180 degrees away from the berm, then you're disqualified and asked to leave. And a lot of these safety rules are stringently enforced that if they see you break one, they just simply come up and tell you, I'm sorry, you have to leave. So it's, it's something to keep in mind. And we all break them. Even they were generous with me. Even I broke one of the safety rules on my first string. I, I went up there and I shot. And when I was done, sh- when you're done shooting, they have you clear and show that the weapon's empty. And at the range I was at, then you holstered. You would you would clear, make sure that everything was empty, drop the hammer, and then holster the, the gun. And so the holster I have for the Desert Eagle, the top of it is not very reinforced. It's very thin, and it has to be thin because you've got a really thick, heavy weapon. So the holster has to be thinner to compensate so that it's not too bulky. So the top of it tends to fold in against itself. So I, and it's leather. I mean, it's not like it's nylon, but so I swept the gun back and then I reached over and pulled the holster open with my fingers and then holstered the gun. Well, when I did that, I swept the muzzle of the gun across where my fingers were holding the, the holster open and that would have been enough to disqualify me if the range officer hadn't been generous. But after that, I would swing the gun back and then reach over and pull open the holster and then insert it straight down without having to get my fingers in front of the muzzle. And it may seem pedantic. It may seem you overdrawn. You your finger off. But, yeah, you could, in theory, I mean, at, at the point where the way they were doing it, it was absolutely impossible because before you would ever holster your weapon, it had been cleared, checked by two people, and then um, rendered relatively inert. But They're just trying to get people to practice gun safety the whole time they're there which if they would allow somebody to slip at all then it increases the danger for the other people there exponentially a chance for a mishap right so and that's why the rules are are so strictly enforced and you can get asked to leave relatively easily so it's something to keep in mind when you're dealing with whatever the rules of the range are at the range you're in just be very conscious of it and you know if it takes you an extra couple of minutes to complete the stage after you're done shooting it doesn't affect your time so be slow be careful and be safe is really what the whole gist of the thing is 
Um, that's those are the the basic commands. So you would have you would go up to the line, shooter make ready. You would become ready. You say I'm ready. Then the range officer will say shooter's ready, and then there would be this pause as they hit the timer. And the way the timer works is it has a button. And they push the button, and when they push the button, the timer randomly goes off between one and four seconds later. So you don't know if it's going to be when the timer is going to go off once the range officer pushes the button. There's no way of telling. It's random. It's within one and four seconds random. So the the buzzer goes off, and then you start shooting. And the way the timer works is the timer um, shows how many seconds between when the buzzer went off and the last shot fired. So you shoot, bang, oh, it has a new time, bang, new time, bang, new time, bang, new time, bang. And then it shows the last time between when the buzzer went off and the last shot was fired. That's your total time in in the string. So you can keep shooting as long as you need to, and it keeps track of how long it's been up until that last shot. And then that's the time that's recorded. Once you're done firing, then the range officer will say, if you're done firing, clear and show clear. At which point you would remove your magazine or open your cylinder, show him the empty chamber, and then you would close the the slide or cylinder, holster the weapon, and then go back into the back. Now, the range that I was at had a safe handling table where you could go over to the table, at which point you could pull your gun out of your holster if you needed to clean it or check it or show it off to somebody else or whatever you needed to do. It was fine as long as it was at that table. No magazines, no ammunition were allowed at that table. Everywhere else you could be loading magazines or getting ammo out of boxes but the gun had to be holstered the entire time this kept all of the ammunition out of the firearm anytime that you weren't actually on the line to shoot and made for a pretty safe situation all the way around so if you're looking to go compete in a competition this is what you're going to find you're going to have a range safety briefing they're going to go over the commands the commands are going to be with some basic variation of that every match i have ever shot in my life had the same basic variation on those commands some were a little bit more detailed on on some of the the firing operations um whether or not you can touch the trigger your finger has to be on against the slide or anything like that you know comes into play as well whatever their rules are you kind of have to just abide by their rules but these are the what you're going to experience what you're going to see and what you're going to hear when you go to the match and they'll have a shooting order sometimes they vary it i prefer it when they vary it so it's not the same people shooting in the same order every time it's not fair for the first person compared to the last person because the last person gets to watch everybody else shoot and pick up tips on what the best firing order is and that makes a difference in timing Mm -hmm. i mean there's Sometimes they'll have a string of like five targets in front and three targets in the back. And the first person will shoot the five targets in front and then carefully pick off the three in the back. The second person will shoot the first two and then the back one, front one, back one, front one, back one, front one. Because you just have to move your sights up and down a little bit and shave time off. And the last person looked at the two methods and evaluated which one was best and was able to incorporate the best method into his shooting style to pick up on the cues. I mean, it's kind of like being the last person in, in elementary school to site memorization right right you're gonna hear everybody else everybody else say it that you got a little bit of an edge when you do it yourself so and shooting sports are the same way so i like it when they vary the shooting order so sometimes you're first and sometimes you're last and then you know there are also those times when you you just kind of want to be last because you're going to do something odd Oh, yeah, like you. Yeah, like me. Shoot the board instead of shooting the pins. Well, they put up way too many targets for, for me, and they knew that. So, But they all all the went, pins went down like lead, right? 
So in the end, the the fun of it is trying to figure out how to how to look at what what's offered you and come up with the best solution for what's going on. And I think that that's something else that is missing from just target practice is because you don't have problems to solve. Can I tell you about the best stage I ever shot in my entire life? You're going when, to anyway, right? <laughs> when I was in Valdosta, they had they took this black sheet of, of plastic. It was like what plastic garbage bags were made out of, but mm-hmm. it was a sheet of it. And they made the tunnels. And so you walked through these black plastic tunnels to where the targets were. So, you so they couldn't, set up a haunted house with targets at the end of each tunnel. It was just enough so that you couldn't see the, t- the targets, right? You had some corners you had to walk around. You couldn't see every target. When you walked up to the stage, they had a little stack of, a little, not a whole deck, but a little stack of Uno cards. And you had to draw a random Uno card before you walked into the stage, look at it, and then shuffle it back into the deck. You didn't get to take it with you. So then you start walking down, and you come in, and there are three Ipsic targets. One has a blue seven, one has a red five, and one has a yellow two stapled to the head of it. You have to shoot the the one that either had your color or your number of what you drew. So and how do they know? Did they write down what you had? The range officer saw the card you drew. So you only got points for shooting, and you lost points if you shot the wrong one. So some of them you had to remember what color was your color, and some of them you had to remember what number was your number, and it, some of them had both. So you had to shoot the color and the number but not the other two. And you're trying to make these decisions as you're going through this this maze. And it was really effective. You had to really think about it. Because you've got the adrenaline running from doing a match anyway. You can't pre-plan. You have no idea which target or even what targets there are. I mean, it's not like you get to sit back and watch and think, okay, so I'm going to shoot this one first and then that one and then that one. And this is what my slide picture is. No, it was completely blind. And it really, it was as much mental as it was physical. And I, I really enjoyed that stage. I thought that was absolutely brilliant. I, I shot a 22 three-gun match once. That was really interesting. Instead of using a, a rifle, pistol, and shotgun, you used a rifle and a pistol that were both 22 caliber. Uh-huh. Um, in the middle of the last stage, I got a phone call I couldn't not take, so I took the stage, the phone call as I was shooting the stage and still cleared it. Did you just say it was a three-gun match and then only list two guns? Well, Yeah. Well, the three-gun matches are rifle, pistol, shotgun, but this, this was all twenty-two. Uh, but it was sta- it was set up on a three-gun match stage and used three-gun match targets and used three-gun match rules. It was just twenty-two, so it was cheaper. This was when ammo was hard to find. Anyway, we'll be right back, folks. Now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. Welcome back, everybody. We're, we're hoping that you're enjoying our discussion on matches and range rules. Uh, I think everybody needs to get out there and get involved and, and spend some time at a match so that you can feel some different kind of stimulus to your shooting uh, practice because a lot of people only shoot at paper targets or only shoot standing still, and learning to move and shoot or shoot under pressure is very important. Well, learning to shoot under pressure is very important because if you ever have to use a gun to save your own life, it's going to be under pressure. So how do you become a member of Georgia Carey? 
Well, you go to georgiacarry.org's website, click on the membership link, and fill out the form, pay the $20 a year or 500 lifetime, and become a member. But you can also do it at any of our local area festivals or chapter meetings. Um, I'm not, I've, like I said, I've been not well, so I'm not up to date on what the next chapter meetings are. Do you have any? Honestly, I, I have no clue what's coming up. I know that there are chapters in Valdosta and, and North and South Metro and New East Metro and looking in Albany and Macon, and I'm sure that there's stuff coming up every week. You can usually find these on the georgiacarry.org's Facebook page where the chapter heads have posted their meetings there. Uh, membership is $25, and it gets you camaraderie, friendship, and it helps us fight bad legislation that's introduced into Georgia and make sure that your gun rights are protected. So GeorgiaCarry.org is an awesome organization to be involved in. Um, also, if you are listening to this radio show on your computer and you're using your Wi-Fi, don't. You can listen to us on your local radio station if you'll call your local radio station and tell them that you want to hear our show on their station and then contact us and let us know who you spoke with. We'll get in touch with them and speak with them about syndication. And that's an important thing. We, we want to get on more stations and increase our outreach so that people know what's going on in their community, know more about the gun culture, and, and that firearms and firearms-related activities becomes more mainstream in, in things that we do. I, I always appreciated the Outdoor Channel back when it had Wednesday nights at the range. I mean, a whole um, block of shooting sports and firearms related not just you know bow hunting and not just deer hunting and not just fishing but real shooting sports and firearms related programming you know things that we really wanted to see and hear this old gun and and some of the other programs that would run the nra show that really focused on things like shooting competitions like we're doing this week i think that we do lose a lot of that and people really don't get a chance to to see that this is something that people do on a daily basis. I mean, there are so many people who think that firearms owners are people who buy a gun and throw it in a nightstand. But many of us actually choose to use it, to compete with it, and to enjoy it on, on many different levels. Carry them with us every day and make sure that we are protecting our families but it can also be a form of entertainment absolutely i mean there's a lot of things that you can do in the firearms community that are fun and exciting and entertaining and relaxing you know when when i go and and shoot a competition afterwards i'm i'm much more relaxed and, and in a better mood it, it does elevate a person's mood to be able to get out and and do something even if i do poorly it doesn't really matter i just would like to have a chance so um yes become a georgiacarry.org member membership is twenty dollars a year you can go to www.georgiacarry.org you can uh click on join now and and there you'll see a link for twenty dollars a year to become a member or five hundred dollars for a lifetime membership lifetime membership gets you some special privileges especially around the convention like it happened a, a couple of months ago jesse spoke at the convention this year and it was a good time for everybody but if you want to be able to meet the the keynote speaker for the 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 banquet dinner then there's a, a lifetime member lunch 
Uh, you get a usually get get a hat and a, a pocket knife and a few other bits of swag when you become a lifetime member. I think all these are are pretty good things overall. But um, these are ways that you can become more informed and more part of the community and also gets you uh, legislative updates by email. And as we're coming into the legislative session in just, what, two months? Is it really? Well, three. Three months It's coming away. up on us. And it's a brand new legislation. There won't be any carryover bills from the previous part of legislation. That ended in what, May? Yeah, it's too bad that we don't have any can't say the same thing about carryover politicians true we need to start electing out these carryover politicians that aren't doing what we want them to do yeah the ones who stand up and veto things that that are important legislation or won't put it on the books or have agreed to sign things and then decline to sign them once they're put on his desk anyway yeah so you know there's there, if you want to know what's happening in your legislature, you want to know which committees need you need to be at, which um, hearings are, are important, who you need to contact, who you need to email, and who you need to call, the best way to get that information is through the legislative update because it changes on a minute-to-minute basis, and that's, mm-hmm. that's one of the problems. You know, we come on every week, and we want to tell you, oh, this is coming up and that's coming up, but... By the time we hit air, some things have already been voted on and some things were tabled or moved or the, the committee room assignments were moved and changed or hearings were delayed. And the only way to be up to the minute is to be getting the legislative updates through the email. And the only people who get that are georgiacarry.org members. So it's very important to be a member. It's very important to be connected and, and drawn into this so that you have a chance to make a real difference because the legislature isn't going to do what you want it to do if you keep your mouth shut. That's true. Very Any, true. Anybody who's studied political science knows that they they react to the will of their constituency and every call and every phone call and every visit weighs in a different way. You know, when I was a, uh, a legislative aide, I would give make little tally marks towards pro or con on different topics. And if I got an email, I would put down one tally mark. If I got a phone call, I'd put down five. And if someone came in to talk to me, I'd put down ten. So Because it mattered more. If they, if they had the ambition to come there and talk to you in person, then they were basically the thoughts of ten other people, right? Right. And I think that that's a very valid way to do it. If you have that much motivation, you know, a phone call. Personally, I probably would have given a phone call three, but I was told to do five. But, yeah, I think that a, a in-person visit is easily worth ten emails. Might even These days might even be worth a hundred emails since it's so easy to send an email. And if you could tell that it was a form letter, then I almost almost didn't want to count it. Because it just didn't have the same weight as someone who actually took the time to write something. Yeah. So these are these are things that you can do to be involved and help shape legislation and get things done. And it's time to get some things moving in this state. I mean, there are things that need to be done. Campus carry, constitutional carry, all sorts of things that we need to, to get rectified. Because Georgia, there was a time when Georgia was, what, 49th out of 50 as far as gun laws? Now we're something like 11th, right? Yeah, I think that we're sliding downhill, not so much because we're losing ground, but because other states are making leaps and strides beyond us. Well, South Carolina is making some good leaps, but they've got good leadership. This go-round, they have Governor Haley. I cannot remember her last name. Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. That was her last name. Yep. 
and she seems like she's doing a lot for her state where our governor governor knows he can't get reelected anyways he's just kind of sitting in there enjoying the last part of his term you know that she gave the rebuttal to the state of the union one year nikki haley did oh really yeah she's kind of up and coming in the republican party there's there's lots of noise about her she's not very keen on donald trump though which worries me kind of in a larger geopolitical sense because i think that trump and his populist movement is going to is going to shake and change the republican party to its core so let's be real about this for a second not everybody is real keen on donald trump and it's not always because of politics sometimes it's just because of donald trump's demeanor he is a little bit loud and boisterous and i'm not picking zuds you know i don't like no i don't like no killary clinton but donald is a little bit loud and and he's not everybody's cup of tea it it doesn't matter he (laughs) tell me tell me how much of a cup of tea um bob dole was or (laughs) or george w bush or john mccain or um mitt romney there's always somebody that is not happy with the selection well there's somebody who's been not happy with the selection every single time for the last 20 years sitting here and i'm just ready for a breath of fresh air no matter how loud boisterous or obnoxious it is i would rather have obnoxious than lion cheating scoundrel well i mean i don't know that the previous nominees for the republican party were lying or cheating or scoundrel-ish i think they were more just wet noodles that didn't stand up and didn't have anything and were democrat light and the, the i think we ended up with wars to avenge daddy's name yeah i think that's true and i think that that's very scoundrel-ish well, look, look, but look at bob dole. no one can say bob dole is not a nice guy Bob Dole is like the epitome of the nice guy who finished last, right? I mean, then that's who the Republicans want to put forth. Mitt Romney. Yeah, sure. Mitt Romney's a nice guy who finished dead last. And since he finished so dead last, we gave him another shot at it. I mean, it's insane and ridiculous. It seems to be the the trend. Yeah. You you failed the last time. We're going to run you again. Well, folks, that's the end of our show. I hope that you have a good weekend. Get out there. Go to a match. Take your kids. Have some fun. And tune in next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. This has been GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Doug and Jesse King. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Tune in each week for valuable information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.